Hello, welcome to the Skies and Currents podcast. Today is Thursday, February 1st, 2024, and I'm here with Christina, and we're going to talk about the week ahead. Hello, Christina. Hello, <laughs> oh. Tess. Oh, How are you? Lousy. <laughs> Not good. <sighs> oh, it's all right. I'm sorry. It's, I have a cold. My kids have a cold. I've reached a point. Um, in my tongue revision recovery that's making my whole body hurt um like back pain and like hip pain and i guess it's kind of to be expected because a lot of uh, i guess i don't like this because i'm a worker but <laughs> there's there's fascia yeah <laughs> and it's kind of all connected throughout the body and it was kind of a point of tension was released and now the rest of my body is adjusting and it is uncomfortable right. so so the pain is not so much in your tongue mm-hmm. it's in your whole body yeah wow that is yeah so wild that's like our whole body is so interconnected that one little piece being altered is going to impact the whole form i wonder if the tongue is particularly Mm-hmm. sensitive or the if the whole body is particularly sensitive to the tongue I would have never ever thought I that. don't yeah I'm not sure I'm, I'm sure for kids when they have it done it's you know really easy because their bodies are already like just loose and changing already um yeah yeah I mean for me immediately and Jeffrey who is a body worker noticed also immediately like there was like less tension in my neck and in my jaw like just and then, and he's been yeah. working on me, trying to make <laughs> make the whole situation less uncomfortable. But it, it's weird because it's like my right. back is like destabilized. So before it probably was stable, but not in the most ideal way. And now something's been fixed. Now it's trying to adjust. Right. So it's just unstable. And I'm getting like minor little spasms in weird places. And I usually, I'm not, I don't usually have back pain. So I'm very very unhappy about it <laughs> but um no it's okay it's Sorry. just been it's like to the point that I can take painkiller and I'm still uncomfortable and I haven't been sleeping well as a result so that combined with being sick has just made yeah. this week um very uncomfortable and not and like and I feel like I'm just behind on everything like work and the house and being present with the kids and I know this isn't correct but there is a strong feeling of like I'm never going to be able to catch it. I'm never going to be able to catch it. <laughs> uh, but I know that yeah. that's not true. It's just that this week I'm slowed way down. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's horrible. I was just thinking about how like Pluto moved into your fourth house and is now squaring your ascent, like squaring your first house, yeah. which is your body, and. Um, I wonder if this is like in a certain way a part of that this initial ingress okay. into Aquarius is like the readjustment period like you straightened yep. out your tongue the third house stuff and now it's in the fourth house so it's hitting like the <laughs> root system in a bigger way you know and that's like directly square to your body in a a much harsher sort of like it, Pluto's taken a much harsher orientation to your body and you have Pluto in your first house, so it's like your Pluto Pluto square. I'm I'm I've become much more interested <laughs> in Pluto. <laughs> so 
is this for me is this like a 20 year thing or is this like a week how long (laughs) no 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 but this is like exactly like what we were saying last time where yeah it's the adjustment phase right right it's the announcement right so like I don't expect that you're gonna have 20 years of you know heavy Mm -hmm. influence of Pluto smashing your body but you're certainly like feeling the adjustment yeah. right now. Yep. So, well, I mean, it could be, it's all, you know, it's one of these things where if you were to look at my chart and know that something was going to go wrong, right. Or that something was going to be triggered. I'm very thankful that this is it. Right. Cause it's like yeah. a positive thing. You know, it's, it's, it's a well, it's a productive thing, yeah. Yeah, whenever I read someone's chart and I can see like physically uncomfortable periods coming up and they're like, oh, mm-hmm. I have a surgery or oh, you know, I'm addressing some issue. I'm like, yes. fantastic. Yes. That is great. Because That's what that is. <laughs> yeah, you have like a, a productive yeah. container for the energy to flow into, which just makes it mm-hmm. all so much better. I remember... Many, many years ago, um, I gave a a friend's, a friend's son a reading and he was still pretty young. And I don't remember, I, I generally don't remember a lot of what I say in readings because I don't like to retain it um, because I like to keep it confidential. So I do just kind of like actively forget. Um, but then... And, you know, again, he's a friend's son, so it's not like I was going to we're not that connected and I would never like impose be like, Hey, how's it going as your dad's friend, you know, that kind of thing. So I didn't talk to him for years later. And he was like, man, everything you said happened. I was in a terrible accident. (laughs) And I was like, what? What did I say was going to happen? And he was like, yeah. And it was just like, exactly. Like it all happened. Like you said it would. And I was just like, I was horrified. I was like, Oh my God. I can't believe, first of all, that I said that because it's sounding very like casual the way that I break. <laughs> <laughs> and second, I'm glad that you yeah. had a heads up, but I don't know how much that really helps. But he seemed like, I mean, I think I told him he was going to be okay, which was helpful, or that it was going to kind of change his direction yeah. a little bit, which it did. Um, but yeah, so it's like a. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Being in the predictive space is interesting so yeah so it is always nice when you see something on the horizon and the other person's like oh it's something productive and you're like oh good thank goodness awesome yeah i've been like updating my readings on my website this week and like redoing the um like descriptions of some of the readings and also adding some new ones that I'll probably talk about toward the end of the show. But I was just thinking about a lot today about intuitive readings and sort of like the expectations around them or like what people sort of want from you or expect to hear. And yeah, it is just, it is a really weird field. And like, I'm an astrologer, right? So I have like this map that I get to pull from and it is an intuitive Mm -hmm. art, but it's also like an information system that you learn. So it's a lot different from what you do, which is like (laughs) 
much more straightforward and in a sense it's like just coming through you um i mean i know kind what you of, do well, it's, no but it's interesting it's more complicated there are, than that <laughs> well, no no i was gonna say but there are other people that are much better at getting specific information than i am right um and part of that is because of like the way that i'm oriented toward what i do and what I've decided I like doing with what I do, which has not made me incredibly successful. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, because I, I was thinking about it too, more recently, how um, before, when I first started doing this, I did just kind of read, you know, what looked like it was going to happen. And then I went through a window of time where I didn't want to, like, uh, pry or look at right. someone like very very carefully because I wanted them I wanted to take them at face value and I wanted to focus yeah. on what they were wanting to focus on and I wanted to um kind of see things through their experience more so I stopped looking at them so clearly and just more taking in what they wanted to look at but then I had some bad experiences around that because people were misrepresenting themselves and information which caused difficulty and so then I decided like okay well I don't know it's just very challenging to figure out the most ethical way of doing it so because then I still don't want to you know push into someone's private space I guess like I've always I've never yeah. really wanted to do that and then I just decided I'm really only interested in kind of more spiritually oriented information and right. possible and possibility information like if you do this or if you change this then what streams of possibility can be created um and so right. that's a lot more of my focus is than on what will happen um and it and it's kind of and i think for a lot of people that aren't in the field maybe it's weird to think of this as like a field where you can specialize right like yeah before I started working I didn't think that I was psychic because I thought that psychic meant omniscient yeah, <laughs> yeah. um and I have really kind of narrowed down what I do and for some people it's lovely and for other clients I'm like very obviously not a good match right but I have other people well, that I refer out to so. well that, part of what I why I was bringing this up and what I was thinking about was the way that like, I think a lot of people approach any sort of like intuitive reading, whether it's psychic or astrological, like, um, sort of like it's a test, you know, <laughs> like they're coming to see like how much, you know, you know, or how okay. much you can get right. And I think that's a little bit unavoidable, right? To some extent. And okay. uh, and it is very exciting for a client and practitioner when you like have a reading and everything is spot on and everybody's like, you, you know, you're jiving with this person yeah. and um, you're seeing a lot of what is really important to them. Um, but actually all the best information comes out of conversation, especially like in, I don't know about in the mm -hmm. kind of readings you do, but in the kind of readings I offer, like the more context I have, 
the better the information is gonna get right because yeah 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 well there well there just is also like a certain amount of things that look very likely but you don't want to assume because it can be very rude right potentially you know or uncomfortable to bring up if it's especially if it's something that they might not want to talk about because it looks very delicate so it's really nice to also just receive permission to go into that subject yeah because if you see in a chart especially like something that has to do with past trauma where you're like oh i think this person may have had a child that passed or may have had a really difficult childhood or may have you know um been a victim of abuse in some way i i very rarely bring Mm -hmm. that up unless like it is indicated by the client something but yeah so i don't know i was just sort of I was thinking about all this because as I was redoing my offerings on my website, I made the choice to like put an intake form for a particular reading um, Mm -hmm. for new clients, Um, not for all the readings, but for a year ahead reading, which is like this really granular in detail kind of reading where I'm looking like at zooming in on the timeline. (laughs) Um, And I was thinking about how like, I don't know if I should ask for this information because certain certain people will see this and be like, oh, well, she just wants this information so she can, you know, know all the answers before <laughs> before the reading, you know. And it's just such an odd orientation for people to have toward toward psychic material, but I encounter it all the time. Um, and it's I don't know. It just got me thinking about like. You know, it would be good for people to have a better understanding of how this process works, you know, so they can actually get what they want oh, yeah. out of a reading, yeah, yeah. you know? No, I, I agree. Because, I mean, a re- yeah, because it is, you, you do get so much more out of it when you tell the person what you're looking for. Yeah. Because imagine you're just looking at someone's entire life, like their entire past, right. present, and future. <laughs> There's so much. And it's really hard for us not to just go into what we're interested in or hope yeah. that you're interested in or what most people tend to be interested in. Um, yeah. So. Right. Well, and it's interesting because I think I'm like particularly good. One of my strengths, I think because of my like storytelling background are is birth chart readings. Right. Exactly. And I really, there is something fun about doing those readings without any context because you're looking at the biggest themes in a person's life and the biggest stories and the repeating stories. So they, those mm-hmm. are like, those are themes you can pull out without context. And usually mm-hmm. you can kind of see like, what's the biggest thing a person is dealing with right now? Or what are a couple of big things they've been dealing with over the past few years? Where are they headed? So all the broad themes, those don't necessarily need context and those context can help and if a client is coming in looking for specific questions to be answered they should state those questions but you know i feel like when you're when you're dealing with big themes it's okay but yeah like if you're looking at sort of granularly at like month by month week by week it's like i gotta know what you're working on in your life like what are your goals and priorities so i can like (laughs) orient myself to this task right because a million things are happening in a chart at all times um (laughs) and there's certain tools that we have in astrology to indicate what is going to be 
like what's a more important transit um what planets are highlighted at a different time um you know there's tools that work by year by week by day by hour even but you know every transit pre presents like a whole bunch of um possible manifestations so mm -hmm. uh you know well i feel like the, i feel like I, the eighth house is a really good example of that yeah exactly right like where you're like okay so something really great could be happening or something really terrible could be happening yeah this house rules <laughs> both of those <laughs> yeah the eighth house is like financial windfall or did grandma die you know like it's it's an odd place in the chart but yeah that's what i've been thinking about mostly today is like I don't know what people expect from practitioners and you know what what's realistic to what's realistic to expect and what like gets you the best result mm -hmm. um I mean, have I conversations it, <laughs> yeah tell it's interesting because i think i think it extends beyond just you know people doing what we're doing also like because if you think about, I always think about like therapy and everyone's like, you know, going to therapy is important. Going to therapy is great. But no one ever says, go with a plan, go with goals, go with an idea right. of what you want to get out of it so that you can tell them that and find out what they want, like what their plan with you could look like and to see if they're going to be a good match or if they, you want to find anyone that has a different kind of specialty, like that's how you yeah. that's how you get the most out of that's how therapy really helps you is if you go in with your own yeah with your own plan and your own goals and i think it's the same with just about any kind of anything where you're looking for help yeah any sort of counseling um is opal playing the piano <laughs> I don't know. I feel like <laughs> someone is, of course. But it's like everyone's so sick that we just can't. I'm sorry, everybody. It's just we can't stop it. <laughs> it was so funny because I was like, wait, what is that spooky sound? I feel like we're listening to It's just to my house. I'm like, I'm like, no, it's just my 100-year-old house. There's just, uh, I'm surprised you can hear it on your end. No. <laughs> I'm like, there's a spooky ghost playing piano in your house, <laughs> Yeah, that's accurate. That's just what's happening. <laughs> Put on Aquarius. It's just Put on Aquarius. Oh my god. So Leah sent me this um headline today. I, I gotta find it and read the exact headline because it was the most fucking Pluto and Aquarius combined with this like mess of Saturn in Pisces making everything like exceptionally unreal seeming <laughs> um but this headline is from the new yorker it says in japan an ai system designed to distinguish croissants from bear claws has turned out to be capable of identifying cancer cells <laughs> <laughs> hey. and i'm like okay we're officially in the fun house like we are just nothing like none of the rules are set anything can be anything anything can mean anything like there's no there's no 
expectations that you can rely on this year, I feel. <laughs> yeah, it is it is kind of just like um I think I sent you on Instagram the there's a trio of musicians that do the news in like a little shop of horrors style of singing. And it's usually interesting and they kinda like like I do learn about some things that are going on in the news that I wouldn't <laughs> otherwise find out about because it's not really like points of interest you know or like the most important thing and yeah. I'm like all right well this is this is how I'm getting the news now it's being fun to me <laughs> fantastic in little shop of horse <laughs> yeah like in musical theater style okay that's what we're doing yeah I mean I feel like Willy Wonka was the best was truly the best metaphor I could come up with for Saturn and Pisces and I've been thinking more and more about the transits of the slower moving outer planets and wondering how much we can like predict the quality of those transits by, um, by the condition of the ruler of the sign they're in. So in the case of, of Pluto, it would be Saturn, uh, as Saturn is the ruler of Aquarius. And I was like, okay, just doing this thought experiment. Okay, so for the next, you know, two years um, on and off, we have Pluto and Aquarius basically just like dredging up a bunch of like fear and wild um, futuristic questioning, right? Like, so fear of the future, fear of technology, but also just like, really weird technological advancements, especially in AI, like just bringing us the, the, uh, you know, sci-fi world into our reality. And for the next two years, this is ruled by Saturn and Pisces with the Neptune co-presence. So Neptune's throwing a haze of confusion over everything, um, lending it's like quality of imagination, um, and in the watery, super connected, boundaryless Pisces, um, you know, a lot of this imagination stuff is going to go to Piscean efforts, which is like, you know, how can we recognize our, our interconnectivity? How can we sort of like do things in the most compassionate way for everybody? Um there's maybe like a penchant for like not the most systematic thinking, but like exactly like that headline, like, is it for detecting the difference between a croissant and a bear claw or is it for finding cancer cells? We don't know. <laughs> There's no boundary between these efforts, you know, but Saturn being in Pisces, at least I think will lend a quality of um, like a quality of creativity and compassion to the technological advancements in addition to you know general what the fuck is going on we don't know mm -hmm. like what is the future is this real <laughs> like charlie and the chocolate factory willy wonka vibes which for those of you who missed the last episode it basically decided that saturn in pisces with neptune is willy wonka um so anyhow we get this first period of Pluto and Aquarius with Saturn and Pisces. But 
starting in 2026, um, Saturn's going to be full time in Aries. And like, that just, that's just a fucking nightmare. Like, I don't even want to think about that. Like, Saturn is in fall in Aries. Aries is Mars's like super young individualistic sign. Um, Aries is like competition and self-aggrandizement to a certain extent. And like, you know, winning and competing and being the first. Um, And, you know, Saturn takes like a real strong authoritarian and aggressive bent in Aries. So I'm like, okay, like we might be real confused about what's happening right now. And we might be getting some like Neptunian, Piscean, like haze over all this futuristic drama. But dear God, by the time it gets to Aries, like we might be in real trouble because it's going to be like, how could we use this technology to rule the world? <laughs> like, how can we win? How can we be the best? How can we have, you know, like, I, I, I'm like, oh God, like we better enjoy, we better enjoy this phase before we get to the like super competitive, individualistic, let's win and be better than everyone else and make the best advancements and, you know, use them for our own benefit. And it's just like potentially messy. So enjoy this time, folks. <laughs> We'll have some really interesting children born that year. Yeah. Some very high, probably very high, high performance people. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah, it'll be a three year period. So only like, you know, five years until Saturn gets to a decent place like Taurus, where we can all just like, you know, get grounded and figure out what's actually going on. (laughs) But. Oh gosh. Well, okay. We can make it. Five years. (laughs) I feel like the same five years after the last um, eight years is like, okay, well, we've done well. Okay. All right. We've made it this far. (laughs) We've made it this far. Yeah, obviously Pluto and Aquarius is not the only thing that's going to be happening in the sky for the next five years. So we have all sorts of like configurations to mitigate and call attention and, you know, uh, have their turn at taking the lead. Um, It's just been on my mind a lot lately because I've been talking about it and feeling it, like feeling the transition very acutely um, as we're in this like early on announcement phase. And yeah, I mean, I feel like just to bring it back down to the present, it's worth maybe just looking at the next week um, in a little bit more specific detail than we've been doing as I've been distracted by these like bigger (laughs) um, sort of this, this big outer planet shifting. So yeah, I mean, so today's Thursday, um, February 4th. First. So we'll talk about the weekend coming up. So the Saturday, the third and fourth. Um, this is the shift. This is the beginning of the shift from um, the planets moving out 
the inner planets moving out of Capricorn and into Aquarius. So the sun is already in Aquarius. Um, it has been for like two weeks now. Um, we have Pluto in Aquarius, but soon now Mercury, Mars, and Venus are going to follow. And then we're going to get this big Aquarius stellium time, which... Um, which is going to be interesting and highlighted by the fact that Pluto is there. So as each of these planets ingress into Aquarius, it's going to be the first time they're conjoining Pluto in the sign. So it's kind of like a much bigger Aquarius season than usual um, because we're going to feel how the presence of Pluto is going to alter the transits through that sign in a big way over the next... 20 years so saturday um it begins with mercury um wait no saturday is the third yeah so sunday it begins with mercury um mercury moves into aquarius on the fourth and immediately on upon ingress it's gonna hit pluto so Hmm. um probably some intense conversations <laughs> Sunday night and Monday. Yeah. Like Mercury is th- our thoughts, our speech, our sort of style of communication, but also like how we like to process things, like how our mind uh, moves through information. Mm-hmm. So in Aquarius, which is an air sign, Mercury is going to be thinking about what's coming up, like what's new, what is a, um, what are some like better ways of approaching a problem, an innovation. Um, how do we? It's not it's not a perfectionist sign, but it's like an idealistic place. So Mercury is going to take on some of those ideals and think, you know, how can we improve this situation for everybody? Um, but <laughs> Pluto, of course, is going to magnify those ideals and sort of call them into question in a really intense way and generate fear. And whenever we get fear, we get attachment, right? So probably a heavy dose of like fearful thinking um, will probably be easily generated by this transit. Um, And then also like receiving intense communication from other people that just feels potentially unnecessary like why (laughs) why are you talking to me like that like why are you throwing all of your fears at me what you know this sort of just like feeling like we're in a communication pressure cooker for no particular reason and it's not that a pluto mercury conjunction is uncommon it's not but we've never had Mercury conjoin Pluto in Aquarius. So because it's the first time, we'll feel a rush of intensity that we haven't felt 
you know, for a very long time with a Pluto-Mercury conjunction. Um, and then in the ether, you know, probably a million news stories about AI, you know, like uh, more converse, like that guy just got the first Neuralink brain transplant um, last week. Like um, a lot of commentary on these kinds of occurrences. Um, like if you watch Sunday and Monday, we'll probably get like a flood of, of new news articles about AI, um, like an announcement about something new that's coming. Um, that's kind of like what there is to expect from, from this. Yeah. Early next week. What about, um, like tech companies, um, secrets being revealed? Like things they've been doing unethically? A hundred percent. So that's, I'm really glad you said that because that's another (laughs) big manifestation of, or (laughs) another big. Like secrets being revealed. Yeah. So this might actually show up in your own life and Mm -hmm. in the ether where it's like, Tess is exactly right. Like, Anything that you've been trying to hide, either from yourself or others, has a potential to be revealed at this moment. So that's always mega uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but then in the ether, absolutely, tech companies, anyone working in, um, anyone working in a future-oriented field, which is most of technology. Um, there's a potential for like a whistle whistleblower kind of moment or like something and that gets revealed because Pluto will sort of frequently dredge up the underworld. So if someone's been mm-hmm. doing something in shady ways, um, I think that a lot of like the big whistleblower moments um, in the past 16 years involved um like Mercury hits directly to Pluto. It would be interesting to look back at, but we'll see. (laughs) Um, But I think that like it's what I see with Mercury is I think he's going to be the messenger of he's going to be the messenger who's going to sort of announce the uh, pervasive quality that or he's going to announce the tone that we can expect from the rest of the month. Like, this is what it's going to be about, everybody. (laughs) This is the flavor, you know? And then we get Mars come in on the 12th and he'll sort of like ratchet the tone up um, to a much more extreme degree. And I'm kind of seeing this as like, what, like, what ideas about the future are we attached to, um, both in our own lives and collectively? And then 
following with Mars, are we willing to fight about those ideas? Like, to what extent are we willing to fight about those ideas? Which is kind of a scary question (laughs) when Mm -hmm. you pose it to, like, a collective um, forum. Because people are really attached to a lot of different um, ideas and ideals right now. Um, So we're going to have this sort of, like, you know, eight-day buildup from Mercury triggering the attachments so the mental triggering of them to the more action oriented like mars who's gonna want to like take to the streets and fight about it Hmm. yeah i'm really hoping i've made some gloomy predictions for february and now i'm really hoping i'm like maybe i'm wrong maybe this is it maybe it's just like more of the same feelings of fear just coming up yeah um that would be I great. I really hope so. <laughs> I'm not. It's really hard to predict things in the collective because there's so many different variables. So it's kind of like watching a school of fish, right? And trying to predict where it's gonna go, and having a really like a lot of reasons it looks like it goes in a certain direction, but they change so fast, right? It's like one little redirection of anything, and the whole school will just completely you know ripple out and change course so you know i'm hoping that it's relatively peaceful this month oh it's so interesting a lot of fear feeling it's so interesting that you say that because do you feel like it's harder to predict like a group of group action than it is Mm -hmm. to predict individual action oh very much so yeah yeah really really hard it's just because there's so many more variables and the way that i see it is like um like i see it in pictures you know and i can hear it and i like that's the way that i'm like experiencing it but also i see it like tubes like tubes of possibility Mm. (laughs) that's what i call them yeah so it's just like these like tubes into the future and you just like follow the most likely seeming tube into the future (laughs) that looks the most likely based on what's happening now right but when you're working with a million tubes that are all interacting it's it can be really challenging to see and i also know that there are um there's just so many forces at play i know this is going to sound like conspiratorial and that's not something i want to encourage but you know there's <laughs> there's a lot we've only of, spent like every episode this whole podcast like, don't, do don't don't do this don't don't do this but don't engage with the conspiratorial thinking i don't so i don't think that anyone so i don't think that anyone is like controlling everything that's not happening yeah. right and there isn't anyone that's like all good or all bad but there are a lot of different forces at play, I guess is what I'll say, right. that are all trying, pushing and pulling the collective so strongly that, you know, including us, including us and our desires and what we want yeah. and, you know, like we're all part of it. And so um, 
yeah, it can just be really, really hard to see where the tipping points are, right? Like one kind of move pushes too far and then it's like, is it going to be able to keep going or is it going to be past a tipping point and another thing is going to react to it and push it away? So Right. Right. Well, it's it's interesting because like we've talked about this and this is sort of what Tess is like, I think referencing is like you have seen the potential for like violence to bubble up in the collective more um, like more dramatically than normal for the month of February. Mm -hmm. And so you're kind of saying like, okay, like I've seen this. I don't know because the collective is difficult to track, you know, hopefully it will just be collective fear that kind of like dissipates and doesn't amount to any sort of like real destabilizing violence. Um, But it's, it's interesting because I think the re like astrologically from my perspective, the reason why there is this big, potential for violence um, and potential for strife is because of the way that Pluto is triggering um, in a new way um, that none of us have ever felt before, triggering our fears and attachments to the future. And because the future can only exist in ideas, a lot of the attachments are ideals like attachments to what we want to see or think we should see or or the direction we think everyone should be going and because there's so much attachment to those concepts um you know it's a date it's a sort of astrologically dangerous moment because we get first mercury and then immediately mars come through and so it's like Mars, if there's any planet that's going to trigger action, and in this case, potentially delusional action, because it's because it is in a response to fear or it's in response to feeling out of control or like we're, we, or, or, or it's a desire to force other people or other groups of people to agree with our version (laughs) of the future. It's just a very, very tenuous moment, right? Because none of like trying to force anyone else to agree with you is already like a difficult and (laughs) problematic thing effort, but trying to force what we're dealing with in Aquarius, like a whole collective of people to get on board with you or feeling like, you know, if if a whole group of people feel like something has been taken away from them and then Mars is there to be like, Hey, let's, let's take action on this. Then we get like this kind of sticky situation. And so I think that's kind of what I'm hearing you say, Tess is like, yeah, the middle of February looks like it could be really bad. But as we've sort of just talked about, like the nature of intuitive work is that we don't really know what 
people will choose to do with <laughs> the moment and all the potentials that exist with the moment. Yeah. And it could also, I mean, it, it, it'll also probably, it could be like a window of time where a lot of um, like positive policy might be pushed through as well. Like, you know, yeah. things that have been in the works, like problems that while. have been uh, trying to be addressed, finally have the conversation and action momentum behind them. Um, yeah. That could be good. Yeah, I mean, I think that's another, like, sort of really definitive quality of, like, the, uh, because the outer planets hold so much, it's like when they move and they first are sort of, like, staking their claim and announcing themselves, it's like a whole bunch, like a whole confluence of events and potentials are held within that. And so oftentimes many things will happen <laughs> you know it's not just it's never just one thing so even if you know one person or group of people used the mars pluto conjunction to generate violence or generate discord um that same conjunction could just be forward momentum on other aquarian themes right so it's likely to just, I think at the very least, it's likely to be a very eventful month. Um, <laughs> and I think that Mercury is going to kind of like be the messenger to be like, hey, look at all of the potential things that are going to happen this month. Uh, and Monday, we might all feel like, oh, my God, <laughs> it's too much. There's too many things happening. <laughs> um, I already that way. I'm so tired. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> but we still get um we still get Mars and Venus in Capricorn for another week, which is really nice. Um they're going to get closer and closer together. Um and eventually they're going to conjoin at the end of February, which is an aspect that I've been super excited about. So, I think that that is a potentially really positive um like that's February 21st. So we won't go there too much in depth in this episode, but I think that's a really positive conjunction that is going to feel like very volitional. And like um, we have some of our like personal ability to relate, take action, be social with other people like returned to us. Um, so I'm actually really excited about, about that. But yeah, focusing on the week ahead, like, um, yeah, I, I think that Mercury, the Mercury-Pluto conjunction um, on Monday will be sort of like, will kick off the week. But then on the 9th, which is, I think, let me look at that, the 9th on Friday of next week, that's the new moon in Aquarius. Um, so yeah, I don't think it'll be the most peaceful new moon, um, but it'll be the first new moon in Aquarius with Pluto. 
Um, it's it's pretty well separated from, from Pluto. So it's at 20 degrees. Pluto will still be at zero degrees. So I'm very thankful for that because I don't think it'll have this quite the same quality of intensity that, um, that the Mercury-Pluto conjunction will have. But I think it will be... Um, it'll definitely feel like... it'll feel like a true reset um, probably more so than we felt in a long time in this part of our life. Right. Because Aquarius is now being sort of like hurled into an entirely new direction. So this new moon is going to encapsulate and feel some of that directionality in a way like we're really, this is true. Like, new beginning of a cycle because the moon is going to have to adjust to Pluto's presence in this sign for the next like (laughs) 20 years. So she's Mm going to sort of like feel like, what is it, what does it feel like to renew herself in this sign? And, you know, Pluto is going to take that question into a really deep place like what what is a new moon rep, like what is a new moon about a lot of that time or that period of the cycle is about you know getting really yin taking care of your body um getting a little bit more quiet um it's the moon going dark right so she's emptying herself out and we're probably going to have to let go of some things with this new moon so that we can take up a new direction. And along the same lines as some of the other stuff we've discussed, letting go, I think is going to involve letting go of some attachments we have to the future so that we can, yeah, so that we can feel comfortable going in a new direction and feel comfortable with some unknowns. That sounds nice. That sounds like a nice, nice new moon, like a very appropriate, no, it does, like a very appropriate new moon. Yeah, I think it, you know, I think for people who've been feeling uncertain for a, for a long time, um, it might feel like, okay, well, I'm just forced to recognize it now and accept the uncertainty and... And that can feel maybe like, I don't know, like a relief to just accept Mm -hmm. it and let it go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, this sounds, I don't know. I think this sounds nice. Um, What I was really hoping for February was to have a slightly slower pace than January. Your eyes say no. What is (laughs) it? No. (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know that it will be... I think it depends on whether you're a mutable, fixed or cardinal person. Um, I think if you're a cardinal rising person, so like Libra, Capricorn, uh, Cancer, I just said them completely out of order. Why? Aries, Cancer, Libra, <laughs> Capricorn. If you're, um, yeah, if you're one of those rising signs, I think it might slow 
slow down for you a little bit in this Aquarius moment. If you're fixed rising, not so much. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, Tessa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fixed would be Taurus, um, Leo, Scorpio, Aquarius. Probably not. This probably would be a busier month for you. And if you're mutable, oh, no. how? <laughs> because all of the action yeah. with 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 all the planets moving um, into Aquarius, all the action is moving to your angles. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm giving you terrible. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. If you're mutable, like so. Mutable is Gemini. Oh my God, why do I struggle with this every yeah. single time? Gemini, Virgo, um, Sagittarius, Pisces. Um, it's kind of a toss-up. It probably depends on uh, what house what house Aquarius is in. Um, but you know, Capricorn, where all the planets sort of like have been stacked up and have been slowly been leaving. Capricorn is a really like productive sign and mars is really productive in capricorn so i feel like we've had a certain like busyness that has been like maybe a little bit more inherently supported toward productivity because of mars's super strength there um but this aquarius period it doesn't feel quite as like inherently productive busyness it feels like it could be like a little bit more just like chaotic busyness um or unpredictable for sure um we don't really know what's gonna come what is gonna come from all these planets interacting in this new way in this new place Mm -hmm. with pluto um and i've been been watching you on the when we were doing readings together like watching them move on the screen as you like click through the dates and it is just like a little train of planets <laughs> and now this yeah. one comes in and then this one comes in and then this one yeah we described that in some of the readings almost like there's these like ombre sun signs in early in this year sun sign seasons so because we're getting this like build up of planets and then a slow trail sort of like into the next sign. So we had a full buildup of planets in Capricorn. And now, um, you know, the sun has moved on to Aquarius, but because we still have Mercury, Mars and Venus all in Capricorn, it's still a very Capricorn feeling time. Um, So it's like the sun signs have these long tails at the beginning of this year. And the same thing is going to happen in February where, you know, we're going to have a huge Aquarius stellium that is going to have a long trail. Um, So we'll have some of the inner planets still in Aquarius when the sun has already moved into Pisces. So, yeah, that starts to break up in the summertime. Um, and even in the spring, to a certain extent, the planets start to get farther apart. Um, so I mm-hmm. think that's part of what is giving this whole year a feeling of like, like the be- like January is like a mad rush, right? Because all mm-hmm. the planets are 
felt like a little bit of a mad rush because all the planets were all focused on the same part of your life. So it just feels like there's too much to do because they're all trying to do like really similar things, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like this really heavy focus um, that feels kind of frantic. And I think February might feel a little bit even more like that. It's just that the focus will start to shift a little bit to something else. Um, and then March to a certain degree, and then it really starts to, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, um, eclipse season might be a little nuts too. But I think by April, we start to feel like a lot less chaotic and a, like there's mm-hmm. more space to choose what you want to do, to choose yeah, what you want to yeah. work on. <laughs> even so. even March to me looks generally less chaotic than these first two months. Like still active and doing stuff, but not quite so like rushed. Yeah. Yeah, like... You know, we have more choice um, when – okay, I'm going to back up and try to restate this. It can be nice when you have a stellium, right? Because a stellium is more – for those who don't know, a stellium is more than three planets in one sign. Um, or three or more planets in one sign. So stellium energy can feel nice because it's it is focused. So it can be like, there's no doubt about what I need to work on right now. (laughs) Like all of the planetary energy is forcing me into one part of my life. And, you know, it can feel hectic because it's like Mars is like looking at it from this angle and Venus is looking at it from this angle. So, you know, do it fast, do it quick, you know, do it the best you possibly can. And Venus is like, but make it look nice, but make it appealing, make people like it. Like, every you know like don't don't forget for the flowers you know don't don't forget to make the aesthetic bright and then mercury is just like are we doing this like you know be efficient like and make sure you're communicating it correctly and you know the sun is like what is the bigger meaning of this in your life and the moon is like but make sure you're taking care of yourself and so when all of that messaging is getting poured into one area of your life it can just feel it can feel positive because it's clear but frantic because it's like too many messages about different elements of the same thing you know like you're trying to tackle everything in this way that can feel frantic I don't know if I'm describing Mm -hmm. if that makes sense no 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 yeah no that makes perfect sense um because it's impossible right you're not going to be able to do all those things yeah (laughs) like you're gonna have like Clearly, it probably behooves you to address it to an extent, or you'll be forced to address it to an extent, right. but there's no way you'll be able to address it right. from all those perspectives in a window of time. But then what, when the planets are spread out um, and we don't have these like, clusters, I think it can feel, um, it's a, sort of the opposite, right? Where you have more choice in more volition and where you're putting your attention. And some people thrive in that environment, right? Because they have like a stronger drive toward making choices. They have a stronger sense of what they want to be doing with their time. Other people flounder a little bit more because they're like, I don't know what I should be doing or focusing on. Um, 
or they'll just defer to the to the planet that they're most comfortable with you know like if someone is a real venus person or if someone's in a real venus in a venus year they might just be like well the planets are spread out <laughs> like i don't i don't really know what i want to focus on but i'm just going to do a venus once cuz i like hanging out with venus and mars like shut up i'm not doing that you know um and this is where this is like kind of the negative aspect of astrology to a certain extent is that we can let our relationship with the planets or our preference for a certain planetary quality to lead us too much through Mm -hmm. the world you know and we're a little bit like us ourselves, the actor (laughs) that all this pressure is being applied to we start to sort of wash away a little bit because we're so prone to following a certain kind of path that feels comfortable, that's dictated by our comfortability with a certain sign or a certain planet or a certain, you know, set of qualities. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. You see that in, um, it's, you see that in a lot of different, um, like systems that, describe how people are right like yeah you know like where you know if you have a propensity towards something you are likely to behave in ways that increase that propensity right well isn't sort of like Um, ayurveda entirely mm -hmm. based not entirely i don't want to oversimplify it no no (laughs) no but there is that's yeah like if you're um pitta and you are prone to heat, um, you will additionally have a preference for foods that make it, that, that are hot, worse. that make the heat yeah. worse. Yes. <laughs> and the same with being kappa, we, you know, tendency to like foods that are going to be more of that. <laughs> yeah, um, cooling, it, it, grounding. It is, yeah, no, it is really interesting. Uh, it's one of the fascinating things about people that I don't know if it's a modern thing. And sometimes by modern, I mean like the past 20,000 years, 30,000 years is like what I mean by right. modern. Um, but there does seem to be like a modern person thing where we are drawn to do what we're already doing, even if it's not oh. beneficial. Like there's something that's like, we are the snowball is heading down the hill in a direction and we are just riding that snowball so hard <laughs> like wanting That's... to make it more so interesting you think that's a modern human quality like the other like past humans were better at changing and like more adaptable i guess i just don't see how you couldn't have been <laughs> I mean, I could be mistaken, and who knows? And and the and the other thing is, is that we really have no solid, like all the stories that we have of prior to thirty thousand years yeah. are all stories. We have we don't actually know, right? They're all just ideas. So I, yeah. I'm not I'm not sure. Um, but are oh, you talking way yes, back? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and again, I I don't actually know. Maybe it is just a human quality. Maybe there is something about 
the development yeah. of our brain that was just like store all the stuff do more of that <laughs> yeah yeah and you know maybe it is just a human quality but um but yeah because so much of um so much of the work that i talk to people about doing um is about trying to find like personal like self-control is a weird way to put it but that's definitely part of it right like yeah moderation balance um really kind of taking charge of what you're doing because and and knowing that we are just tend toward self-destruction yeah um and i guess it's just because part of what i'm doing is i'm giving people a certain kind of power right so if i don't say like hey please don't use this in the ways that you're naturally going to want to which are almost certainly going to be to a degree self-destructive yeah yeah that's really interesting yeah i think it's i think there's a real misconception about astrology um which is that the qualities that are imbued upon you as a person from the planets, from their, you know, through the lens of the zodiac sign, that they're like inherently good or bad or qualities that you should I- identify with. Like mm. we kind of to a certain extent have to identify with them if we're going to engage with astrology because we're learning about our patterns and tendencies through them. And they do to certain dis- to a certain extent, describe our needs, our desires, our impulses, etc. But <laughs> like, you don't want to, like, the idea is not to lean into those equality, into those qualities and identify with them, like, as you or identify with okay. them even more, you know, because now you have this okay. other language to describe them. Um, you know, you want to find who you are, you know, like the deepest part of yourself um, as the entity that is having the pressure of the planets applied to you, you know, and, and try to have volition, uh, you know, and, and take your own, you know, be in sort of, as much as you can control of your own life path, um, mm-hmm. you know, without letting it be dictated just, you know, as much as yeah. possible by the qualities of the planets. I don't know if I'm explaining it well. It's kind of a hard oh, yeah, thing yeah, to yeah. describe. Well, it's an, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing because um, a lot of people do feel like they don't have a lot of participation in their life, like direct participation, like they just kind of feel like things are just happening then. Yeah. Um, and that actually kind of goes back to the beginning when we were talking about how we do readings, because what a lot of people used to come to me for was they wanted me to tell them what would happen, you right. know, with them as a passive, you know, character in a story that's already been written and i'm 
it conflicts very much with my work because a lot of my work is being like, no, we are not passive. Yeah. Like we're not passengers on a boat that is going wherever it will. Right. Right. And like, it's like we get to, you can steer the boat. You can decide, you know, you can't control the ocean. You might not get a great deal of say over the vessel. Yeah. Um, not really necessarily going to be in control of the weather conditions all the time, or maybe not even who's on the boat, but there, you know, but you can still steer the boat and you can still get really good at steering the boat and you can still get good at repairing the boat and get good at reading the weather. Um, right. So, yeah, so that's a lot of what I'm more interested in is becoming the, becoming the captain. Yeah. <laughs> and helping other people sort of oh, yeah. take control oh, yeah. of, that's you know, like you're mm-hmm. so good, you're so good at that, and you really helped me. Still help me <laughs> all the oh, time. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, try to take more volition over my own life and and make more active choices. Um, but and in, in, interestingly, from an astrological perspective, um, Jeffrey really helped me. Um, Tessa's husband Jeffrey really helped me like think through making sense of the influence of the planets on our life because especially now in the astrological sort of community and in the sort of discussions that people are having um, in public about astrology now or in the ether is like this all of these ancient timing techniques that for example like are still very much intact in the vedic system um, are being rediscovered in the western system so it's like we can pull up a timing table that gives us a lot more predictive capacity and you know when you first start to study these things and you see you know Uh, events um shifts timed out even to like the day or the hour you can start thinking like you're going down these really fatalistic paths of like oh this is really just my fate like everything that's happening has been has been planned Mm -hmm. out like this is what was always gonna happen this is like you know the course of the planets just like guiding me along my life but no (laughs) they are (laughs) it's like windows of different kinds of like karmically oriented uh i feel like i should have jeffrey come on and help me say this better but um it's like windows of time when different uh, you're going to have the opportunity to move through different karmic obstacles um, okay. or receive different sort of karmic blessings or, or, or fulfillment, yeah. right? So um, it can look like the fate is written, right? Because certain kinds of things are going to occur during these windows. But okay. you have a huge amount of volition over what that is so it looks predestined, but it's not it's just it's just that the the hue or the tone or the theme is going to be consistent to 
the opening of the different cycles, right? So, you know, different Saturn kinds of things are going to happen during Saturn times, right? But what Jeffrey really helped me realize is like, oh no, this year, every time a different window opens, it's an opportunity to move through an obstacle. And then the next time that window opens, if you move through the obstacle, then the obstacle lessens or shifts mm-hmm. or maybe becomes like merit that you're going to get some sort of like benefit out of. So, so much of astrology is actually about like sort of walking through open windows or periods of time with a lot of courage to face obstacles and change the pattern or like change how you're Mm -hmm. engaging pattern so that the next time that pattern gets triggered it looks different um and you know so it's almost like (laughs) i don't know it's like how did i try to come up with like a good metaphor which i'm terrible at but well if you play video games you know like a first person type video game where you have like quests if you you know because usually when you play those games you do get better every single time right you learn where the things are you learn what you have to do you learn who you have to talk to and now imagine that there's like timing windows so it's like you can only go into these certain places to get certain things during these windows of time and the first time you go in you you might nail it that'd be great but you might not you might have to go back to the beginning but then the next time that window of time right is open again you'll be like oh no no i got this i got that yeah and after you've played the game a couple times you're like beating the the boss of the first section in like 20 seconds that took you like an hour the first time or five days or whatever um so yeah like it's almost like trying to avoid the obstacle or trying to um like put your hand hand under the covers and like just let it pass over you it's almost like the worst thing i mean sometimes you just have to do that way you can't yeah i was gonna say sometimes you just yeah yeah yeah, it's just kind of like uh and you have to and 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 if you can like actually be present with something really difficult it, it is almost like a blessing because it is really hard most of us are pretty strapped a lot of the time so um, as much yeah. as you so yeah, don't beat yourself up over it if you just have to yeah. make it through something. <laughs> but if you do right. have the space to really kind of process through something while it's happening, yeah, it's good. It's a really good opportunity. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's going back to what I was saying about like stelliums and all the planets being clustered together versus when the planets start to spread out across the zodiac. I do think this is part of how we get the imbalance, right? Because if all the planets aren't hammering you to focus on one thing and like forcing your hands, we get a lot more volition. So a lot of people are going to be like, I'm just going to do this one kind of thing as much as it's available to me. Um, Cause I'm not going to be like something might really like difficult could be happening over in this part of my chart. And I'm just going to engage with it in the most limited possible way because you know, another planet I'm more comfortable with is giving me this other option of something to do, you know, like my friends are inviting Mm -hmm. me out. So I'm just going to go do Venus stuff with them. Or I just really love working out. Mars is my bestie. So, you know, I'm just going to 
go fight someone or I'm going to go to the gym or whatever. You're just going to engage in only the martial things. Um, maybe you're really Saturnian and that can be even harder because Saturn moves really, really slowly. So it's cool because you can really sink into a project really long term and stick with it. But all the other planets are zipping around and you're never like going to say hi to them unless they're forcing you to. So yeah, astrology is the more I practice it, the more I see it as relational and not everybody is going to see it that way. And not everybody needs to, you know, become friends with the planets and try to like understand their personalities and have relationships with them. Like, I know that's like a very weird (laughs) esoteric thing to do. Um, But even if it's just on a level of like understanding what the planets rule in your life and what your what you have a propensity to engage with and what you have a propensity to avoid can give you a lot of like information if you want to like work with astrology more more closely yeah i mean i i view i think everything is relational like all the work and not you know to the extent that everything is needing to be personified yeah but your relationship to everything is the thing that you can change the most um because you can do it from your own you know you don't it's like a very it's a personal process you don't need you don't you know like the world exists we don't have to force it to be different or pretend that it's different in order to change our relationship to all the different elements of it um right and all the different yeah. patterns and snowballs that were <laughs> tumbling through yeah yeah well we all get um we all get to have an we all have an opportunity to deeply explore <laughs> our relationship to the aquarius part of our life this month so if you want to get astrology nerd um, at all, this would be the moment to do it. Like, just look, look at where Aquarius falls in your chart. Um, even if you call just... Christine and then we'll do our hand to have a reading and she'll tell you where, <laughs> where Aquarius falls in your chart. <laughs> yeah. Or call me and have a reading or call any astrologer and have a reading. But, um, but yeah, it'd be an interesting month to just look at like even just like the basic keywords of the house that Aquarius rules because mm-hmm. you're going to see it get hit. Like this is an opportunity for a house to get hit, you know, in a big way um, that we don't all get to, ex- we don't get to experience very often because, you know, year two into the Pluto and Aquarius will not be as, you know, uh won't have that this new quality you know to it so we won't we won't feel it as distinctly so unless it you know there's always circumstances right so if pluto is gonna move over one of your planets you're gonna feel that really powerfully um but but yeah it, it, it would be an interesting exercise i think for anybody this this month um but yeah, I think I think the new moon 
Um, I feel like I should look at the new moon a little bit more closely just while we're here. Um, because I think it's a significant one. Um, so it's February 9th and that's Friday, 20 degrees of Aquarius. So it is going to be square to Uranus. So hmm. isn't that what I maybe said? Maybe a wasn't little bit less. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't I just say the thought? Well, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, God. <laughs> so, so by uh, time to release some of your attachments uh, to the future, what we meant was being forced to release some of your attachments <laughs> to the future. <laughs> whatever you've been imagining <laughs> whatever you've been imagining in the Aquarius part of your life there's a piece of it you're gonna maybe have to release it's okay um, it's okay <laughs> Uranus is gonna take a sword to it her like Shakti sword and just like you know slice it off but it could yeah. also be like a really good opportunity to let go of a big fear that you have mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right because or or to become or to become disentangled from something that you don't want to be stuck yeah. to anymore absolutely so a new moon is an emptying out and uranus is shakti in power so just imagine this new moon literally as like a sword you can use to cut something out of your life um, whether that's, you know, a, f a fear or an obstacle, an internal obstacle that's holding you back, that would be Tess and I's perennial, uh, <laughs> recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> internal obstacles, get rid of internal obstacles. Um, you know, like you don't have to cut someone completely out of your life, but you could cut out your, uh, your part in the dynamic yeah or you can cut them out i mean i'm not saying what you can do do whatever you want but yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm just for sure tess is better at explaining this tess like explain why it's better to to work on yourself inside than um always attack the outside well i don't i'm you know sometimes you you do need to stop talking like yeah. there's there are a lot of instances where you do have to stop talking to people like I'm not gonna <laughs> ideally try to avoid it because it is if it's a pattern that lives inside of you it will play out again whether you mm. cut the person off mm. or not sometimes right it's like necessary so another to... person shows up yeah so you'll play the dynamic out in a different way if you don't deal with the internal you know participation pattern impulse compulse whatever yeah. you want to call it that you are carrying inside of you um that will bring that kind of dynamic back but even still sometimes it's you you can't necessarily work it out with another person that you're playing this pattern out with you know right in very sometimes you can it usually requires a lot of like trust and 
like mutual goal and prior relationship and you know like it can happen yeah. um but if it's just if it's someone that you don't know well or don't have a lot of trust with or who doesn't want to change that dynamic with you they're probably not going to help you remove the internal right. part of that that obstacle so yeah so so do so do both cut them out and then figure out what's going on with you <laughs> yeah and if it's not a person it could be other things you know like yeah. uh yeah. cut out a dynamic at work or cut out um <sighs> i don't know get rid of something in your house you don't like um <laughs> yeah just it's it's there's a releasing a big a lot of power around releasing and it's not the most yin new moon vibes because it can't be right it's the first new moon in aquarius with pluto and it's square to uranus which i probably should have <laughs> mentioned the first time we talked about damn it, it. Damn it Christina. <laughs> the one part of the month i was looking forward to Oh, no, no. I'm Look forward to the Venus and Mars conjunction. 21st. Yes. yes. I really hope it's time. good. I've been looking forward to it literally since last June because I think it's we had be good. That... And I think it's going to be a really nice week, the whole week, too. Yeah, like we had this Venus, Mars, like a uh, close configuration for almost all of June of last year, June 2023. And they were doing this thing where it was like, they're almost going to conjoin, but then they didn't and they were really close and they were so close for so long. And it, I felt like it created this energy, like we were all about to break through with something. We we're all about to get something we really wanted. And then it just, it just didn't happen or it like sort of dissipated or the thing that we thought was starting back in June, like was a phantom and didn't really land and so like i feel like whatever venus mars story has been happening in your life um that's felt unfinished that might kind of land toward the end of february in a new way or take a new shape and venus mars stories is like you know if they're stories about desire right? So desire for people, desire for love, but really desire for anything, right? So Venus is our yin desire and Mars is our yang desire. So how do we take action to get what we want, Mars? And what is the substance of what we want? You know, what do we enjoy? What do we like? What gives us pleasure? You know, so when Mars and Venus come together, it's like, taking action on a desire and obviously like depending upon who you are like and what you desire and it's going to look different for everybody but I, I generally think it's like a a positive charismatic volitional um conjunction it's like a time when we get to do something we want um and interestingly back in june when they were hanging out together that was in leo which is the polar the, the polarity sign from um from aquarius 
where this this conjunction is going to happen on the 21st. And I think that's important because Leo is the sign of like the self, right? It is you on a stage, like your soul, like your purpose, like what do you want? And Aquarius is um, the collective. So, you know, what's best for everybody? And so I, I don't think it's insignificant that they almost made their conjunction in Leo and then had to wait for almost six months, seven months to finally conjoin in Aquarius. It's sort of like we identified what felt good to us and what felt like, you know, uniquely personal or like related to the sun or the solar energy. And then we had to, you know, spend a lot of time configuring ourselves and that desire in a different way so that it could land and come to uh, pass in us in a sign that is more um, considerate of everybody um, and what everybody needs. So that might just be a really optimistic take on it, but I like it. I'm it's curious. nice. I like I like it too. It's like um, it's like a love story where they are the main characters are separated, right? Totally. Like yeah, but but then they come together in the end, right? So it ends up yeah. being like a happy ending, as opposed to other love stories where it's like they're separated at the end. Yeah. Yeah. But they come together in like a sci-fi future <laughs> in Aquarius. <laughs> All right. Well, I I don't know that I have much else to say. Um I think this might be the conclusion of this week more or less. Um Tess, do you have any like announcements or any bulletin points or anything you want to touch on um trying to think we're doing I, I haven't i don't have the schedule yet um but this month we're doing a matanji meditation um as kind of a different way of relating to letting go of things <laughs> so it's you know she is like she's she's a form she's related to saraswati um, but there's a very strong element of, um, decay mm -hmm. and impurity and mm -hmm. kind of like the gross stuff of the material world. Um, right. and so the idea is we do a fair amount of Yamaraj stuff, which is like Lord of death, but also Lord of Dharma. And it tends to be a little bit more of about, uh, like transformation right and letting go of the old self in order to achieve the transformation whereas i think matanji is a little bit more about embracing the what transformational is? process oh okay. like yeah the difficult well what is yeah like what is of the earth what is of like the things that we cannot change um and also the things that are challenging about the transformative process such as my back at the moment um <sighs> all coming together here is, is matanji a mahavija yes yeah okay. so she's one of the maha 
is so she's on the way to she's one of the more destructive yeah the fierce the is fierce on the way to the, yeah on yeah. the way to the transformation point um so yes yeah, so we've never done that before which is fun it's unusual for us to do something entirely new so that's this month also bodhicitta also cho with page and yeah so we and i think page is also doing um a meditation on death so she's being sorry, just th- thinking about everything we just talked about. I'm like, oh, actually, we had a lot of stuff lined up for um, this <laughs> month. So, um, yeah, Cha is always wonderful. And I think she's doing a Bardo Cha. So if you have anyone that you've um, in your life that has passed on, that's a Cha specifically for them. And um, and then her dying meditation is extremely potent. So a really nice way of severing attachments and reorienting toward priorities so a lot of that this month and um and then our meetup of course and i'm very excited about all the stuff that you're going to be offering too i know you added a bunch of stuff Uh, yeah um well i started talking about it in this this episode early on because we are having these reflections about intuitive offerings in general but yeah I, i i added a couple of new readings to my website which are all up now and available for purchase i'm going to send out like a little newsletter tomorrow so people will have it all in one place um but i think the most significant new offerings are um i'm doing a a 30 minute reading which i price at a much less um expensive or at a i think an affordable price point because what i'm imagining it being is sort of like a 30 minute check in on the moment. So I'm not Mm going to look, I'm going to look at what's happening now and like four to six weeks into the future, um, which makes it the kind of reading that I don't have to do much preparation for. So I don't have to charge as much for, Um, but if they can actually be extremely useful, like if you have something coming up where you're like, how do I navigate this important thing? Or if you're having one of those moments of like, what the fuck just happened? Like mm-hmm. what just like something just kind of came out of nowhere and smacked you on the head. I feel like this is actually what astrology can be extremely useful for. And it was, and it is the reason why a lot of people come to get readings. Um, but it can give you some context of like, okay, what's going on in the sky that has, created this condition that you're feeling so extremely right now and you know is it a long-term thing or is it something that it's going to kind of wind up on Saturday um so I can kind of look at it and then give you an idea of like oh is this attached to a long-term transit or attached to a short transit like is this can you expect a resolution soon or are you in it for like a much is it a much longer story so um I think it I'm excited to do it. I hope that people take advantage of it because I think it could be really helpful. Um, and then I'm going to do a special topic reading every month for our Substack subscribers. Actually, they're for anybody, but the Substack subscribers will get a discount code. So I'm going to send mm-hmm. out the discount code to everybody with this episode. Um, and this month is going to be on Pluto and Aquarius. So 
where is it hitting your chart? What does it mean for the next, you know, 20 years? And I'll look like if you have planets in Aquarius, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know, like around what windows the conjunction of Pluto to those planets will get active. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about Saturn and how like his transits will affect, um, affect it as well. And then Tess and I are going to do um, some offerings together. Our, we're not doing the year ahead readings anymore. That is closed. We'll bring them back next year. Um, but we're going to do a special reading, um, a permanent reading that people can buy at any time on my website. Um, and it is on planetary relationship. So identifying um you know, what every planet rules in your chart, what would traditionally be considered strong placements, what would be considered weak placements. Um, and then from a more holistic, intuitive perspective, like how those relationships might manifest in your life and how you might be able to work with them more effectively. Um, so it's something we talk about all the time in our drop-in mm -hmm. sessions. So if you want to know more about it, but you don't want to pay for a session, you can also come to the drop-in sessions. All our subscribers are invited to those. They happen once a month. So if you want to come to those sessions and get information about your chart without paying for a reading because you can't afford it or whatever, subscribe. <laughs> it's free right now. Um, we welcome paid They're subscribers. They're really fun. Everybody yeah. that comes to those is really fun and very sweet. And it's a really nice way to connect with people. I love those. I like, I never yeah. want to stop. Yeah. They're super fun and casual and you can ask questions about your own chart. Um, yeah. So sign up on the Substack if you want to get invited to those. And yeah, that's it. We'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. We'll look at those headlines. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Talk to you later, Tess. See you. Bye.